Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. We welcome you all to Shiloh Tabernacle, a place where lives are changed, praise the name of the Lord, and dreams are built. Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I am full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, is he telling you? Tell your, fr- tell your neighbor, I am the temple. You are seated next to the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on, tell them, you are seated next to the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God who dwells in me is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. Tell them there is nothing of death in me. Death does not work in my life. Failure cannot work here. I carry the spirit of a winner. The spirit of Christ in me is a spirit of victory. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We honor the presence and leadership of the man of God and the woman of God in the house and all the leadership. Can we put our hands together? Amen. And if this is your first time to fellowship with us here at Shiloh, uh, just sit in the presence of the Lord. Don't, don't feel at home because you may take a nap. So feel at church and feel in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We welcome you to Shiloh. This is a place where lives are changed. The mission and the vision of this house is changing lives and building dreams. Praise the name of the Lord. We believe that everybody born of God has a dream, has a destiny on the inside of you. Praise the name of the Lord. But before your dream becomes a reality, there has to be transformation. God has to change you before your dreams become a reality. Now, the poorest man on earth is one without a dream. Tell your neighbor, the poorest man on earth is one without a dream. And the most frustrated man on earth is a man with a dream that never becomes a reality. If you never pay attention to your dream, most of the frustrated people, is not that they are just frustrated. Some of them don't know why they are living. So if you don't know the reason for your living, you're just existing. And there's a difference between um, living and existing. Living is when you pursue and fulfill the reason for why you were created. Now, existing is just, you know, it's just to be a YOLO. You know, you know, you guys, you know your terms. This is a YOLO, you know. Uh, you only live what? You only live once. That when you hear that statement, you know you only live once. Those are YOLOs. The YOLOs are those ones that you only live once, not living according to purpose. Tell your friend you live according to purpose. And that terminology is always used when they say, you know, let us enjoy ourselves. You only live once. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a lie from the pit of hell. Every human being lives twice. 
You live once on earth and you will live twice in heaven, but in a, all of us in heaven in a different way. Yeah, others will live twice in hell, others will live twice in heaven. You lived once on earth, that twice you live either in heaven or hell, depending on what, how you apply yourself here in time. And there is no demilitarized zone. In other words, there's no neutral zone here either this way. Now, you make a choice here. Are you hearing me? You see, tell your friend and tell them, and tell them, you see, now let me say this. I want to say this to challenge you as we get into the word of God. Now, you see, um, choices and the decisions we make determine destiny. You hear what I'm saying? It is the choices and the decisions that you make in time that determine your destiny. You see, decisions and choices are lifetime buttons that determine your destiny. Depending on the one you choose to press. When you come to the elevator downstairs, the button in the elevator, some of you come from places in your houses or flats, you have elevators. The button you choose in that elevator determines where you go. You can't enter the elevator and place and the place number two and go to number ten. So decisions are lifetime buttons that determine your destiny, depending on the button you choose to place. Now, you see, not a place to press. You know, I'm Ugandan and African. Sometimes the R and the L mix each other, but you got, you understand where I'm coming from. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll get there slowly by slowly. It's only after you've said it, then you hear it. But <laughs> other than that, I bless God for where God has brought me from. You know why I'm saying that? Some of us have not been as privileged as you were. I finished my first degree at age 30 here in England. When I became born again and after the death of my mom at age 15, I was one of the guys I used to carry baggages. Um, by the roadside, sell milk by the roadside in, on Chibuye, Kampala, Entebbe Road. I used to sell milk by the roadside and I used to, I used to do my business very well. I had, to, I had a clean, my table was so clean by the roadside. I always used to clean myself um, and shanty myself. You know that Vaseline called shanty? I would shanty myself, I would be glittering, and I would stand by my table and say, 5 a.m. I would wake up before the milk comes and I go to um to, 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 to carry baggages for those on Wednesday. Kabanga Katale was used to be market day. People come in to sell. So I carry the baggages to go and fend and look for 100, 300 shillings to look after my little brother that my mom had left behind two and a half years old. And I was 15 when I was doing those things. So most of you have been privileged. When we stand here to talk, most of you, Christ is a figment of an imagination. To us, is a reality. I know where he has brought me from. I was only 15. And that's when, when life became so hard. I said, I, I better take this young boy to my grandma in Lugazi before I commit suicide. Because I didn't want to commit suicide before him. And that's the night 
when I was contemplating suicide and I made this statement, I said, if there is anything, this is Chinese now. If there is anything that calls itself God beyond above those clouds, come and stop me. That's the day Jesus encountered me. That's why I hated Christianity with a passion. All my family are Muslims. So whenever they used to preach to me, I could tell them, Kulluhu Allahu ahad Allahu samad walam yalid walam yulad walam yakullahu kufuan ahad. It is written, Allah is not born. Allah has no mother. Allah has no father. He has no son. And nothing else should be added upon Allah. So I hated Christians with a passion. Some of it's good sometimes we give you our life story to remind you that when we make certain decrees, when you see our passion is coming from somewhere, we are not just learning on you or just telling you to repeat certain things because we are belittling you, trying to treat, treat you like kids. There is power in the word of God to transform a life. Are you hearing me? I always tell people, we do not idolize this book, the Bible. We look beyond the book to the author, God himself. If this book was just a figment of a man's imagination and it was a compilation of a white man as many think, seem to suggest, how come a white man don't follow it? How about how can you explain the manifestation of the power that is coming from this book that even our uh, uh, ancestral demonic powers bow. When you go to India, they bow. I was in India in a city called Hyderabad in a crusade. And I saw most of these Buddhists and as they came, the power of God was hitting them, falling to the ground. And a 15-year-old girl born deaf, she had for the first time in Hyderabad. Now you can't just tell such testimonies because I'm alive. And I believe Pastor John Benhar, my, 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 my host, can attest to that and the people in Hyderabad. And I have seen the same whether in the States, whether in South Africa, every country I've been in. I have seen the hand of God at work. You see, the word of God will only work in the lives of those that believe it. Can you read for them 1 Thessalonians 1.13 if you display that? So what I want you to, to do is today is believe the word of God whenever it comes to you. Either from the altar, either from in your personal devotion as you read the Bible. Embrace this word as the word of God. That's why many times most of you look at us, but if we don't tell you our story, you think we are just using... You see, the word of God is not about motivational speaking. Motivational speaking is just to <laughs> encourage you <laughs> and to push you, but the word of God is different, different for motivation. Are you hearing me? Because the word of God, motivational speeches or positive speaking, it does, has no back, back up. I mean, if somebody says, ah, you know, if you are stressed, count from 10, coming down to 1 is a 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now breathe in. Breathe and tell yourself, I'm breathing in positive energy. I'm breathing in positive energy. Breathe out negative energy. I'm breathing out negative energy. The moment you leave that place, you're still stressed. Because those words have no backup. But the word of God is backed by God himself. So what you speak, if it is best in the word, 
it is the word of God and God backs up his word. Have you seen 1 Thessalonians 1.13? Where is it? Oh, some people have seen it in their Bible. Can, do we have somebody helping me to display kindly, please? So what I'm saying to you, that I want you to look at that word and believe what it says to you. Somebody say amen. Uh, I want you to look at that Bible and say, I do not idolize this book. Uh, yeah, I, I, want, I expect you to talk. You see, be careful of any believer in church who does not participate and only spectates. You see, let me tell you something. The power, the place of agreement is a place of power in God. Hmm? And most people are left out in the service because they don't understand the things. Well, others are, 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 are dancing. Oh, some of you I understand if you don't dance because when I used to, to, I scouted the church. I mean, I spied on the church for three months before I became born again. I would come in the night prayers because I used to hear stories that you lords turn off the lights in the mid, in the in the night in the in night prayer. You turn off the lights before the lights are turned off while you are dancing. Everybody's spotting who you. I mean, who you're gonna hook up with, and then after a certain time, they switch off and everybody hooks up. So I was there waiting, and as they were praising, I was looking aside, eyeing some sisters, and I was like, when they switch off that one, I'm going, that's when I'm going to go, and that used to say, yes, you are going to me, Jesus has sent me to you. But I realized nothing was happening. When I was waiting for that moment, people were just falling under the power, and uh, people were just being born, I mean, demons leaving them. Then I, that, now that arose my curiosity. I was like, huh? Okay, this I've never seen in a mosque. What, God, God has a sense. God has a sense of humor. I remember one time I was um, in Ruvaga Miracle Center in the night to pray, uh, because at KPC where I got born again, we never used to have those, you know, nights. It used to be one Friday night in a month where we gathered and had an overnight. But on other occasions, except the in. Um, in the upper room in Timothy class where most of the youth would gather once in a while for us and go in the prayer room. Those who want to exercise power to prayer, we would go there as a youth. But however, so I used to look around for other churches where they are praying constantly because I had that hand where they are praying constantly. When I came to Christ. Now, one night this Pastor Godfrey Kamese was pre invited somebody in, you know, we used to, they used to play drums. Don't think about this miracle center. The one in the papyrus, um, those papyrus in, is the one I'm talking about. They were very poor, they, you know, very dusty church there. And I remember Pastor Kamesa, they used even not to have instruments out every, you know, instruments were coming out on special occasions, Sunday service. So instrument, we, they used to play drums. And then... There was this preacher had been invited from Sweden. He was kind of like mixed race by Uganda and he grew up in Sweden. This man stood on, as they invited him, he was not living in Uganda. As he came on, he began to say, there's a woman here. You have a, a child. And this child, no, he first said, there's a woman here. You are carrying water um, coming from the well. And you, you felt like your neck snapped. And you feel pain in your neck. And you think, actually, as I speak, you have a fever on you. 
you're, you're feeling feverish. And you thought that that neck was just snapped because you're carrying water. No, there are powers that are attacking you that don't want you to come to church. You come here, God is going to set you free. As this woman was coming, she never reached the altar. The man looked at her, she fell down and began to spin. Guess what? Why I'm saying God has a sense of humor. The woman was a Muslim. She had just given her life to Christ. And guess what? The demons left crying, rolling. God forbid, God forbid. She made us, she, she made us even eat pork. She fed us with pork. We didn't want her to come here. But nonetheless, she has come and she has brought us in this place and they are burning us. Then me, I was like, who is burning who? And who is it that is saying they fed us with pork? As discovered, of course, in the Quran, they are, the genies, there's a surah that says that uh, praise be to our prophet Muhammad who was sent both to the people and the demons. So he's a prophet to demons and genies. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not lying, is there? So now the genies are the ones who tell these guys, don't eat pork. Eh. So now, she fed us with pork. Hmm. So me, at that point, I was not born again. I was still scouting. I said, ah, these demons, my genie, the pork. Ah. I gathered my information, kept quiet. They said, who wants to be born again? I refuse to come out. Uh, the, the, this, this key voice, the voice was talking to me from behind. Muslims do not get born again. Muslims do not get born again. And I said, no, Muslims don't get born again. I'm not getting born again here. But one time as I sat in KPC, it was the 3rd of January, 1993. I sat in the apoditorium with my dreads and a long ponytail. And this man, Pastor Gary Skinner, preached and said, you're here. By the way, you enjoy our wonderful music. When we clap, you clap. You have even learned the jargons after the service. Praise God, praise God. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. So let me remind you that you're just an escort. The day our master comes, you're only gone. When we are being laid away to where we belong, you will also be escorted to where you belong. And he told me, and he said, you are here. Come up from that auditorium and come down here and give your life to Christ. And I turned around, I told Michael, a son of the late Captain Dr. Bogere who was um, in the Captain Ibdi Amin's army. And I told Michael, Alvin's Bogere, I said, you told this man about me, didn't you? And he went on to say, some of you, you enjoy our music. Then after here you go and pray in the mosque. Then you go to the clubs in the night. I said, Michael, there's no way this man would have known I go to the club and I go to the mosque. It is you who told him. We are seated in the pew. Now, you know KPC, almost like 3,000 people. And this white Canadian man, and Michael told me, Moses, <laughs> I mean, we're so dear. It was like, you know, street language. You know, you, you big up yourself, yeah? Moses. Um, 
how, even look at that man. What access do I have to go and tell this man about you, you, to preach about you? So now, imagine a white Canadian standing on, a, on the pulpit, doesn't know me, speaks about everything about me. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is not dead in the church. There are those people that the devil has, when the devil wants to stop you to hear, he pre he prepares you negatively. When a preacher preaches, they are preaching about me. Oh, that's me they are talking about right now. If you ever come to church with that attitude, oh, they are preaching about me. Let me warn you in advance. Avoid the Christians who always after the sermon sit with you to tell you he was talking about me. He's hammering me. Avoid because you will not grow. The Holy Spirit most of my teachings for me, I've seen them ask all my children in Kenya, in the Lord. They are prophetic teachings. There was a pastor they invited here recently, last year. He came from Entebbe area. While he was preaching here, the man was very prophetic in his teaching. And because there was somebody in this congregation that had reached out to me to pray for them over a certain issue. But when this man sat, stood here, he preached the, the, the entire text and voice, voice note this individual sent me crying. That was the very sermon. That's why after the church, I took the man of God and I went and brought the person who sent me the voice note. And I said, whatever you have been preaching, this individual is what sent me here. So God has been, you've been talking. He's, he came here once. He spoke about everything and I didn't know the pastor. We connected after he preached here. Pastor made us to connect. Now, a man who doesn't know, who doesn't live with her, comes here, gives examples. As you remember he preached about faith and he went through the examples he was giving, you're about to give up. You have done this. You have sown and you have come to a place and you feel like, God, why is everybody passing me? Everybody's going ahead of me. It looks like you, you're not going anywhere. And you nearly want to give up. He used every example in that voice note. And they said, and they spoke to this individual. This individual has brought them and the man of God began to pray with her and encourage her after the service. Now, why am I giving you these stories? And it doesn't matter whether I'll preach for 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. Provided, um, provided you, are, you, you prepare your heart when you come to the house of God. Are you hearing me? One of the Korean women that taught me the word of God, because I could not even afford to go to a Bible college. I was homeschooled. She was a lecturer in the Bible, Grace Bible College in Nairobi. They're the ones who began it. But for me, I was homeschooled because I could not afford to go over there. They told you I finished, I did my first degree here when I was 34 years old. Are you hearing me? So, but she told us this. It doesn't matter whether, you see, let me say this. There are two types of believers in the church. You hear me? There is, she told us, there is the passive listener and the aggressive listener. The passive listener is one who is used to scriptures, who is used to the word. 
The moment you say, let us turn to Psalms 23. He says, I know that one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What is he going to tell us? I know that, um, that one. A passive listener, while you preach, they are busy listening to your accent. And they are busy looking for the buffaloes you are going to hit. The English was not on point. Actually, he should have brought out that point like this. If God wanted you to bring up the point, you would have been the one standing here. Now, humble yourself. You're not the one on the pulpit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A passive listener is the kaoka dakasangwa. What that means, that's Chinese. What it means, they are the ancient of the church. Uh, we've been in the church long enough. We know all these things. Passive listeners are spiritual dwarfs. They never move forward. They are the modern day Pharisees. They don't enter the door, but they don't allow others to enter through that door. Modern day Pharisees, spiritual dwarfs, passive listeners, they will not add any person on the ministry, but they ensure that those coming don't stay. They don't know they are building a curse against themselves in heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This woman told us now, the past, that's the passive listener. Okay? Now, the aggressive listener is this one. The aggressive listener is always expecting God to talk no matter who. No matter who is speaking. An aggressive listener doesn't care whether even you spent. Now, this is not to sanction <laughs> and to license sin. Please understand me. You know, there are some people that listen differently. I did not sanction sin. Now, when God wants to speak to you, are you hearing me? Whether somebody spent a night in the club will have your message. Now, you don't understand what I'm saying. Let me show you. I will show you. Why would God, of all people, choose Rahab, a prostitute, to hide the two spies that have come to kill Jericho when there are other pure people more than a prostitute? Also, further than that, <laughs> do you know, we fasted, I remember we were in Entebbe, Bugonga, in the church I was serving under when I was about 17. Now, there is, we were in 21 days of fasting and prayer. And after those days ended, the Lord didn't speak to us a single thing. And we were so, so disappointed. 21 days, hey, prayer, hungry now, God, you haven't said a thing. And the pastor stood there telling us, after we broke the fast, God hasn't spoken. Because our pastor told us not to make God to have spoken when he has not spoken. Don't make God to have said things he hasn't said. So that's the way we were raised. So as we sat disappointed with the pastor, one evening on the bench by his little small house, because for us, we used, me, I used to sleep on the church, on the, on the church bench. I used to organize be benches and put papyrus around, and I used to sleep. I slept in the church for five and a half years, by the way, homeless. So, and that church had a grave, by the way, the graveyard on the side. And it had doors, but with no doors, windows with no windows. You understand what that means? It's a structure. And uh, if you have been in Entebbe and anyone watching, you know Bugonga, Bugonga, and the people that come from that place. The Bugonga was named after a demonic principality that used to move in a leopard. 
That leopard they used to escort people in the night, it escorts you up to your door. When you turn, it has disappeared. That's Bugonga, the principality. The village is named after that leopard. We had a stone in behind the church where the church bought by that grave. There's a snake that used to come and sit on that stone. But as the church, as we prayed, a huge stone disappeared and shrunk. Bogonga in Tebe. A church is called the glory of Christ. If you want to go and investigate and look for, that's why I give you details and places. So, now, whenever I used to sleep on that, uh, 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 by the altar, now I, I shifted from the corner to the altar. Why? Because every 3 a.m., a man would come from those graves in a white kanzu, the baganda that mulera with the mulera that kanzu for baganda, and walk through that church. And they come, and you are seated now, me, homeless boy, sitting in the church, praying on the altar like this, Mashada Brusa. He walks in. As he comes, as he gets in the middle of the church, there's another door on the other side. He disappears before he gets out. Ha! I call the blood. He disappears literally there. I call blood of Jesus. Blood of Some of us, our prayer lives have been built through circumstances. So when you see us pray passionately, we are coming from a place of understanding. I have told you, I come from the Mutajaz. Chibuli, you, you just sing it. Mutajaz, Chibuli, Chibuli, Mutajaz. Chibuli, Chibuli, in your taxi park. Chibuli, Mutajaz, Mutajaz. That stage, Mutajaz. Who is Mutajaz is a person. The one, that guy used to astral project. Leave, leave the house and go somewhere else, but the body is left. We would go for barrier. We would go for three hours journey. He goes... You, by the time you get there, you, you are using transport. The guy arrived three hours before you. He's the one who used to train witches and wizards and sorcerers in Uganda, Mutajaz, if you know. Him and Suna. The Suna that used to be on the radio. The witch. So, while I have experienced demonic powers on the, in the demonic realm extremely, and I've experienced Jesus Christ on this side. And I've, I've tested. He's greater than those powers. So for us when we speak and tell you. Say this after me. In the name of Jesus. Some of you will tell you prayer points. And say ah, these guys. Why is he saying that thing now? These guys are just passing time. We are not passing time. Are you hearing me? Now, I prayed and I prayed and I said, hey, hey, the guy has disappeared. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Hey, blood of Jesus. Until when I received the revelation as they told us, and I came to a point to believe and to know, <laughs> uh, whether you come or not, uh, now I'm not afraid of you. Because of the truth now I had received, appear or not disappear, do whatever you do, I'm not afraid. When I reached that level, now, I said, okay, now I will not sleep. The 3 a.m. is when you come in. I'll also be in prayer. Aggressive prayer. Praying in tongues and praying in tongues. 17-year-old, do you hear me? <laughs> now, the church members began to join me one by one. The elders began, about six, three of them, six of them. They began to come. But they, they would come in the morning, 5 a.m., morning glory. For me, when I've spent the whole night, where? Praying. Now we, they are praying and I'm praying my own things and I'm passing. The, somebody said the elders of the church. 
they began to manifest demons coming out of them. And as I passed them, the demons began to say, You, this, passed them, the demons began to say, What it means, that's Chinese, it means, <laughs> I mean, we were invaded. We were invaded. This kid, who made this boy leave the city to come here? He's drunk now. The, the elders manifested and demons are speaking through them. And the demon began to say, every night, this kiboy, can you not shut your mouth? Demons manifesting. I said, now that's when I discovered, I am a threat to demons. So now the demon that was speaking, the territorial demon manifested in her saying, I am troubling them. When I heard that, it gave me higher encouragement even to pray deeper because I knew now as I'm praying, I'm, I'm troubling these demons. Yet guess what? Me, until that manifestation occurred, when I was praying, it seemed as if I'm talking to myself. It seems as if nothing is happening. Can I encourage you? Many times you may be in prayer and it feels like you're, you're, there's nothing that is taking place. Nothing is shifting. Tell me, let me tell you something. Something is changing. You may pray for your daughter, your son, your brother, your father who is a drunkard, is not born again, is living a life that is which you don't you don't desire for them. <laughs> and guess what? The more you pray, they drink more. You know why the devil is using that to discourage you? Pay no attention to the happenings in the external. Because whatever happens on the out in the outward world is actually influenced by what you do in the supernatural. So are you hearing me? So you keep praying and the results will manifest. Somebody say, I hear you. Have you heard what I'm saying? So the aggressive listener. This aggressive listener is one who shows up in church with a notebook and their Bible. They expect God to talk at any time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Those are the aggressive listeners. When they go to their prayer room. Now these days, of course, we don't carry notebooks and pens so much. We have notepads on our phones. As somebody saying you quickly, you know, you are thumbers these days. You know, the thumb generation. <laughs> you put it down. But uh, also, others like this young lady, she's always writing. I can see her excited when she hears the word and she's putting it down. Because what you write, you memorize and you never forget. These aggressive listeners, they're expecting God to speak through anything. An aggressive listener can be walking because he's constantly expecting to hear God. And he can be in prayer as you're fasting and the message is going to be on the billboard. Or through just an advertisement on TV, through that advert, God, there's a line and God answers you through it. Because you are always eager. Now, let me tell you something. The 21 days, you remember? We are sat on the day, uh, by, the, by the bench on the pastor's veranda. Guess what? While we were there, a drunkard man, somebody said drunkard. He was passing by, singing his songs of drunkardness. Then he paused and said, Shinga ablokole mumanyi katonda wamwe. The guy began, you born again Christians, if you know what the Lord your God has prepared for you and the things he has in store for you, you would have continued to praise him and love him more because this is what God is going to do. A drunkard. 
Now, for us who were young in the Lord, by that time I was one year born again, I just, this, this drunkard man, you know, what is he saying? The Lord, is, you're, you're even drunk. And the pastor says, shut up, quiet. Listen, God is talking to us. And I looked at the pastor. Oh, sure not. Not through a drunkard. We've passed 21 days and he's using a drunkard. I learned a lesson that day. And I looked at this man of God. They are people who are sensitive. Now, God used the drunkard after 21 days of fasting to give us a message. To show you I am God. Now you, you know one little small story about somebody in the church. They stand even the altar to minister. Me, I can't receive from them. The problem is not from, it's not on them. It is you who can't receive. Me, I made up my mind. Nobody can stop me from receiving from God. Listen, why? Jesus said, many of you, you will come and say, did we not prophesy? He didn't say you prophesied. Prophesied in my name. The prophecy was a true, but the character of the, of the container was wrong. But the, guess what? God can use you to advance his cause and dump you. That's why he says, many of you, you will say, we spoke in your name. We cast out demons. We healed the sick. He says, yeah, all this you spoke, but I don't know you. You never did the will of my father. Guess what? They prophesied to other people and the message was true and other people benefited. That's why Paul says, after I have preached, I beat myself in the chest and look, I look into myself to, so because I don't want to be a stepping stone that after I have shown you the way to power and glory, you, you come and step on me and go further. It means God can use you as a stepping stone upon which other people pass and go into glory, but you remain a signpost in the kingdom. So what does that show you? Never come to church and say, somebody has hindered me to hear. Me, it is about maturity. Nobody can stop me. Even if I knew you spent a night in the club, I will hear. I will sit and dismiss where you spent and listen, what is... Is there anything God is going to speak to me through that person? Why? Because as far as I have positioned myself, God will use you as an instrument. You see, in the kingdom, you can either be used as a son of the kingdom or as just a tool. Are you hearing me? So when you come to church, never let anything distract you. An aggressive listener. That's, do you know how God began to visit me in dreams and having visions? Do you know how? Because once I had that message, I began to sleep with the book and the pen by my side of the bed. Not that God had told me. Even in the church, I would pray and put a pen and a book there. I was putting a demand on heaven, on him to talk. I came expecting God to talk and he spoke to me. You know why you can come to church and go back the same way? Most of you come not expecting God to talk to you. That's why. Even, let me tell you, most of us preachers, do you know that when we enter the service, when we want to hear, when you know you've been praying and waiting on God, as you enter the service, there are moments when you begin to you, are, you have three or two messages contradicting with each other, conflicting with each other. And so, Lord, which one is the word for this congregation now? Which one, Lord? 
and as the worship is going on, or you, somebody you found on the altar leading prayer can give you a hint when they don't even know. A worshiper can be worshiping and he chooses a specific song exactly that whose lyrics fit straight in a certain message. And then you say, oh Lord, I thank you. I was telling one of um, my sisters in the law, in the flesh and also in Christ and I told her as we're coming to church, I said, you know what? The most vulnerable moment of a preacher is when you are seated there before invited on a pulpit, afraid because I don't know what to say. Now, some people look at us and say, ah, Apostle Moses can speak for hours. No problem. <laughs> it's not about speaking for hours. What does God want to say? So a preacher is very vulnerable. Because what I want to say may not be the timely word that God wants to say to his people. So that's in, in our preparation. We are always afraid. Even you can be invited. Sometimes even you wait through the songs and nothing. And you get to this altar. They give you the microphone when you don't know what you're going to say. And then that's when sometimes you find us um, uh, praying, I mean, singing a song. In that song, you are looking for a signal. Lord, which one? Which one, Lord? Your servant is in trouble. Save me now. And the congregation is there eagerly expecting and thinking you have it all figured out or you have it all together. No. It's not a place to joke. Let, let them put you here, you will know. You start having sweaty palm, the hands. So what I'm trying to say, an aggressive listener is what causes shifting. What led me to that was a statement that I said that every person has a dream on the inside of them. But before your dream is birthed, God leads you on the journey of transformation. Now you cannot be transformed without the word of God. Do you remember the scripture I gave you first Thessalonians 1.13? That scripture says the word of God is at work in you who believe. Have you seen it? Isn't that what it says in your Bible? That the word of God. Oh, why don't you open it then? Hallelujah. Zebro koshada barando brezate brahanta. Jombro da sida bohombro da salibahante. Janto bresiko ushande brozita. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You've seen it? Okay, read it. 213, sorry, yeah. Okay, read. For it is God. No, not that one. First Thessalonians 1 13. There's no first Thessalonians 2 13. First Thessalonians 2 13. Sorry, 2 13. First, second. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Read. Paul says, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when what? I don't hear you. When you what? Which? What happened? Not as what? Comma. Now, whenever you receive the word of God as a word of men, words of men have no power to change other people's lives. If somebody stands to minister here and you receive the words as words of men, you, your situation does not change. That's why many people, once the word is coming forth, 
you never hear them say hallelujah or amen. I mean, for God's sake, look. I've been preaching for 28 years. Mercy is not even equal to the number of years I've been in salvation. Live alone my own years. Mercy, the one that was leading us here. But as she is ministering, whether it is Joella or my son Ray, Ray has a tendency before he goes to bed, he has to make decrees over my life and everybody in the house. When he's leaving the house in the morning or you drop him to school, the boy won't enter the gate, the school gate, till he makes his decrees over you. So, and we don't take them for granted. Recently, we had a fire. And me and my daughter survived death in the house. Now, we went back to review and say, hmm. You know many times this boy, before he goes to bed, when he, before he leaves the house, when he's leaving the house, he tells the one remaining in the house, he makes decrees over you. Those that drop him at by the school gate, he makes, he doesn't care whether the teachers are there or his fellow students. Ray will make his decrees before he, enter, he enters the gate. Now some of those decrees that he makes, we looked at them and said, do you realize, could that be even one of the reasons? Because every time I told them, it's not just him. It takes God to, it takes the spirit of God to condition somebody, a boy of, of nine years of age, to be consistent in that. And whether he's tired, he will make those decrees in a sleepy mode before he goes to bed. So whenever he does those things, we pay attention say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why? Because amen mean, means let it be so. Let it be unto me according to what you have said. According to what I have heard, let it be in my life. Now, for me, I'm telling you, you find me here screaming myself off. Now, Master was here ministering as she ministered. Only one who is, whose mindset is set to receive has received the way this worship went on. She was very prophetic. Everything was very anointed. But if you prepare, ah, this Massey, Massey, we know you. You grew up, I, I, I saw this girl growing up. You see, passive listeners have a, a habit of familiarity. And most people in the church today, they are not transformed because of over-familiarity. Our generation is overly familiar. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to understand that men are multidimensional. Tell your friend, people are multidimensional. What that means, to desire, mercy is your sister. There's a dimension of a sister in her for you. But also in mercy, you can find a friend. Multidimensional. Do you see what I'm saying? At the same time, Mercy, who is your sister and a friend, in her, could be, in her, not could be, in her, there is a woman of God. In her, there is also, your, she's your worship leader. Now, when Mercy, the worship leader, is speaking to you, you take offense because you wanted her to speak to you like a sister. That's when you take offense. Because you are so ignorant to know men are multidimensional. Why did she speak to me like that? She was not talking. Now, it is upon you to perceive 
who is talking to me? At this particular moment, who is talking? Is it the worship leader or the servant of God in her or my sister or my buddy? Jesus is both a lion and a lamb, but it's not always lamb. He can talk to you like a lion. Now, a lion and a lamb are two different languages. This lion, the gracious Jesus, says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Ha! The, the Lord of grace is calling the disciple Satan. I, most times I ask my children in the Lord, if Jesus, if me, the apostle here, I called you Satan, you leave the church. But Peter continued to follow a man who called him Satan. You, I have, you haven't even left your job to follow this ministry. This man had left his woman, his children, and his income, place of income, source of income. And he followed Jesus for three and a half years. When he calls him Satan, it, he has, when he, call, he had followed him for three years. Because at Cecilia Philippi, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter thir, um, 16, isn't it? Verse 13. That's when he asked them, who do the people say that I am? Huh? You remember? Matthew 16, 13 at Cecilia Philippi. That season, it was six months before his crucifixion. He had spent three years with them because Jesus died 33 years and a half, isn't it? So now, he calls him Satan, get behind me. And he's not calling him Satan in a private, in a public. Also, let me correct, correct this for you. You see, I am sensitive. What I'm speaking to you is nothing got it, to, it has nothing to do with what I what you know the continuation of the message for last Sunday because he has diverted me because he knows even when that message comes unless the ground is prepared in a certain way it will be just like another sermon I know that God is doing something new in this ministry and you can perceive even in the scripture that was we were given that God is doing a new thing rivers in the desert are you hearing what I'm saying? So then I cannot not, I can't fail. If I am incense, I'm an insensitive preacher and a religious preacher, I would have just come to impress you by the message where I left off next Sunday. That's not what he wants. He wants us, he's now fine-tuning our spirits to be able to receive in a certain way. And when God does that, I have come to understand for the 28 years I've served him, that God is about something bigger than we think. He's preparing you as a congregation so that you don't get stagnant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, like I was saying, Jesus, this is what I want to correct. Pay attention. Children of God and all believers, there is a difference between rebuke and correction. Correction is done privately. Rebuke is done publicly. Why is rebuke done publicly? If you make an error, an error publicly, which error and mistake would lead to the misleading of the others around you? You'll be rebuked publicly, not because they're attacking your person, 
they are correcting an error so that others will not uh, believe an error to be a principle of behavior. So Jesus tells him, Peter, you are Satan. Get behind me. You don't have in mind the things of God. Why? Because why did he rebuke him? Peter took Jesus' hand. After he had received the revelation, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus picked him up. He told him, Peter, uh, this you didn't read from the books. This has been revealed to you by my father in heaven. I mean, Peter, all the, my church is full of 12 members. Now you, all the 11, didn't have a clue. Peter, you are moving in a certain level and a dimension of revelation. You are the only one who picked it up. Peter gets on a horse of pride. <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm thinking, he's looking at these guys. <laughs> you see, <laughs> you see, I'm on a different level here. The Father in heaven reveals things to me. Guess what? <laughs> in, that, in that scenario, Jesus tells them, this is what is going to happen to me. I'm going to be given into the sons of the wicked. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. Peter reaches out, grabs the hand of Jesus' master. The student has taken hold of the hand of a master and pulls him on the side. And the Bible says, and Peter began to rebuke who? God forbid it will not happen to you. That's when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. Why? If Jesus did not, if he took Peter in, in private and corrected him, the others, he, he, that gesture and action would have sent a, would have set a precedence for every other believer, every disciple of Jesus who takes offense about what Jesus has done, grabs the master's hand, takes him on the side, rebukes him. Would that be a leader? When you do a mistake, if it's done privately, it will be corrected privately in the office or you and other believers. Jesus says, go in secret if your brother's offended you. Go in secret, Matthew 18. Take another and take another. The last resort is to break it before the church. But the last three times you have done, have made your effort not to expose the character of the believer to the other members. You understand? But now for the rebuke, it is done publicly to save others not to follow such an example. Have you understood what I'm saying? Take for instance, you can't come in the church here and insult the pastor publicly and you expect him to take you in the office and talk to you quietly. You, are sub you because you are setting a wrong example to the rest, you must be brought here on the altar and everybody learns a lesson from you. I am an apostle. We are, set, we are called to set order. Somebody say order. Okay. You, when you, come, you do insubordination at work, you speak to your boss in the presence of other work colleagues. Hey, you think your boss said, oh, 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 let's go privately in the office. First of all, he gives you a bollocking right there. Shut up. What you're, you... I think you need you are crossing the line. Who are you talking to? They put you in your place, make you look this small. The place of work. Is it true or not? 
Because God, then you come to church, you expect church for you to do what you want. God is not the author of confusion. Let me hear you say, God is not the author of confusion. No worry, I'm within my time. I've got four minutes. I'm finishing on time. Whether you feel like you want me to continue, I'm not continuing. Let me show you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let us now, you see, you've spoken aggressive listener, passive listener. You haven't given us a clear scripture to show us. Open 1 Corinthians, you who are so scripture now. Uh, no, I'm not, I don't mean to say that so you don't open. So you open 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to say it in the passing. I'm going to give you the scriptures, but in the passing. Now, listen. When Jesus died, 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 15 tells us that when Jesus had died and resurrected, you remember that scenario? Jesus was being taken up to heaven. Do you remember that place? Oh, come on. Now, he told them, guys, let you know, you be, when he rose from the dead, remember when he appeared to them, he told them, you'll meet me at Mount Olives. You remember? So, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe if you read from the third verse to the sixth verse, it shows you that how, what, how many believers were there when Jesus, before he was taken up to heaven? It says there, more than five. Have you seen it in your scriptures there? More than 500 saw Jesus before he was taken up to where? I believe it's verse six, isn't it? Verse six says, more than 500. Everybody read. After he was seen by over 500 what? Nine believers, eh? 500 non-believers saw him at once. No, these are what? These were disciples of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some are falling asleep. Now, these are how many? Now, what was the message he told these 500 before he went? Go to Acts of Apostles chapter 1. Go up, Acts of Apostles, put it up there quickly so that my time is running so fast. First of anyway, Acts of Apostles 1.8 says... Wait in the upper room. Are you hearing me? What did he say? But you shall, when the Holy Ghost, and you shall be what? To me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and unto the end of the earth. Now, go to verse 13. Verse 13, what is it? And when they had entered where? In the upper room, they was where they were staying. Peter, James, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And they began to pray. Now, uh-huh. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women together with Mary, even the mother of Jesus. And with the physical, natural brothers of Jesus went to wait for the, the mother who gave birth to this miracle. Is humbling herself to receive the Holy Ghost. Now you, you are not even the mother of Jesus. Now, now, read, read, read quickly. How many now are they there? Read, how many are waiting in the upper room? And in those days, 120. Where are the 380 passive, uh, passive listeners? Passive listeners. The Holy Ghost comes upon these ones. 120, 380 are nowhere to be seen. Tell your friend, God will not pour his Holy Ghost and blessing on emptiness. That's why, are you hearing me? For God to shift you and to use you, you have a heart. Now, this is why I'm saying the passive listeners, 
passive listeners hear teachings upon teachings, but they never shift. Are you hearing me? Oh, we've heard about that. The principle of discipleship is a fat. Fat, which is faithfulness, availability, and teachable spirit. You know it by head, yet not in practice. You are not faithful to the ministry. Let me tell you something. You must be faithful to your church. Faithful to the mission and the vision of the church. You must be faithful. No, God only equates. God only understands your faithfulness when you are faithful to the man he has appointed before you. So never lie to yourself that you are faithful to God. When you cannot be faithful to the, to the representative he has put before you. You are just a liar. Just like Satan is the is father of all liars. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 380, nowhere to be seen. The Holy Ghost comes, they are not there. <laughs> you, what does that show you? God will always move with those who are ready. So, because you 308, you're not there. So, it will stop God to send the Holy Ghost. So, the Holy Ghost didn't come because the 308 are not there. Tell your friend, your absence only punishes you. And your presence rewards you. Have you heard? Are you blessed? Now, from today, which one of the two? Are you aggressive or passive? Are you hearing me? Now, listen, let me close with this phrase, and I know you love it. Maybe you've read it, but you never thought about it. It's John 10, 27. It says, Jesus said, my sheep. Somebody said, my sheep. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Now, he didn't say they know my word. The passive listeners know the word in quotation. But they don't know the voice in the living. The voice, you may quote the scripture. Do you know the voice of the scripture? The aggressive ones can even, they know the voice. They can detect on a billboard which is not even scripture. As they are walking. There are times God has given me a message when I've picked up a piece of paper on the ground and by the time I read, it has my message I've been waiting for. I want you in this season to tune your spiritual ears to be aggressive. Even um, the people that are walking around you, some of you are asking questions, God, guide me. Which one should I choose? Even if it is relationship. You know why we choose wrong partners? We don't listen. We only hear, we don't listen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Shiloh LDN. Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time.